swap us today, and he is downstairs teaching junior church as we speak, and we wanted to come share with you, especially on Baby Dedication Sunday, uh, just a little bit about purpose and about uh, what we're doing as a family ministry here at, uh, at First Christian Church, and so... Um, but before we start, I, I hope that you've uh, been enjoying uh, the story as we've been studying through that the last 11 weeks or so, and uh, we're going to be starting it back up. We're taking a break for the holidays and starting it back up come January 4th. But today we're, we're talking about purpose, and we're talking about why we're here and why we do the things we do, um, and uh, specifically why we are functioning the way we are in, uh, in the family ministry here at the church. Uh, one of the things that I'm sure you've been hearing a lot about over the last year, if you've been attending with us for any length of time during that last year, is about this concept of orange. And there is uh, some subtle references to that up here on the stage right now. I don't know if you've caught on or not. Typically, yellow is not my color. And uh, as a matter of fact, this isn't even my shirt. This is Greg's shirt uh, because I don't have a yellow shirt. Uh, but I'm wearing yellow because uh, the, the idea behind orange is that orange or yellow stands for the light of the world and red stands for family and what would happen if the two of them combined into orange uh, to join together as a team. And so that's kind of what we're, the overall view of what we're talking about today is what is orange, what does family ministry look like here at the church and how that affects you and how you can be involved with that. So here's, here's kind of the, the, the point that I want to talk about today is, is the church. You know, the, the main goal, the main purpose of the church is to be the light of the world. For the Israelites, they, they had a, uh, in, in the temple, they had a holy place. And inside the holy place, there was no windows. There was just one single source of light, the menorah, the lampstand. And the, the main purpose of that was to light the bread of presence. If you want to dim the lights, I want to just give a, a slight illustration here. If, uh, if you have a flashlight here and, uh, and it shines all around, that, let's imagine that this is the church. And, and the church uh, is supposed to be the light of the world. And it is, and, and right now it's shining on a variety of different things. If you, can you kill the projector too? Please, thank you. Um, so, there we go. Um, so, it's a, it's, a, it's a bright light, and it is illuminating the darkness. But, but the main goal of this light is not to just illuminate the darkness, but it's specifically to shine its light on one thing in particular. I'm over here at the communion table. And I'm shining it right on the bread of presence, signifying Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. It's the thing that the church is supposed to reflect. And that's, that's what we want to do. As a church, we want to reflect Jesus and take everybody and show them who Jesus is. You can bring the lights back up now. See, contrary to popular belief, the church isn't just here for our needs or your needs. It's, it's actually not about catering to us at all. It's about illuminating the world and pointing them to Jesus. Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill 
cannot be hidden. The, the, the church needs to point other people to Jesus. We want to be a catalyst that challenges people to glorify God, to win the lost, and to teach the saved. That's our church mission statement. To do those three things. Glorify God, win the lost, and teach the saved. That's the church. And I get to speak to you today about the family. Red represents the love of the family. As I was thinking about what to say about family, um, it's a passion of mine, the, the family, and the fact that God created family to be that support group. And it amazes me how much the picture of what family is has changed. Um, less than 25% of American households are made up of a married man and a married woman and their children. Only 25% is that. Um, single parenting, 25% of all families with children under 18 are single parent homes. Single parent homes is the new picture of family as well. And in those homes, the majority of them, the head of the household is mom. Another shift in, in how we look at family. Um, another thing that has affected our family is divorce. Divorce. Nearly half of all marriages now end in divorce. And from 1970 to 1992, the number of divorced adults in America quadrupled. So divorce changes our picture of what the family is. And through that, then, we be, it becomes the blended family. Um, showing my age a little bit, but like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> that was kind of the beginning of that era of the blended family. 40% of all married, of married couples with children in the United States are step-couples, meaning 40% of the families that we see now, there are stepchildren involved. Okay, so biologically, that they might not be the parent, but they are the step-parent in the family. This is the families that we see today. Another big thing we see today is the grandparents who are the main caregivers. 2.4 million grandparents are the primary caregivers for their grandchildren. All of this changes the makeup of what the family looks like, and we embrace that because, our, because we as the church know how important family is. We will do what it takes to keep the family. If it means blending, if it means being a single mom, if it means being a grandparent, we are there to be the family. We also know that being a family is hard today. T today, it, life is so busy. Um, the average family per day has three hours of free time. I know some of you say, where's that three hours, <laughs> right? But um, it's true. Our lives are so, so busy as well. And part of that is 75% of all mothers of children under the age of 18 now work at least part-time. So there's not, the, once again, the picture of family has changed. The key to family is still family is where we learn how to live life. Family is where we learn about God and how great his love is. It's one place where we can go and have that. So we have to put, put God first. We have to make him 
priority number one. That's what baby dedication was all about this morning. It was taking a moment, setting aside a day, and saying, today I'm putting this precious life in your hands, God. And I'm trusting you that you know best. And that's what our baby dedication was all about today. In Deuteronomy 11:18, it says, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you get up. This was an important time. They were coming out of Egypt. They were going to the promised land. God wanted them to remember where they came from, and he wanted them to remember what God had said. And so he told the Israelites, make this a part of your day. He didn't say, take, a, take aside an hour and just talk about God. He told them, in everything you do, when you get up, when you go, lay down, make God what everything revolves around, God's word. Another scripture is Proverbs 22.6. And this one is one that we all hear quite a bit. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. It's a key verse. Um, in this past year, I've, I've learned once again what this verse really means. Most of you know um, in this past year, what past two years, my husband had a stroke um, and passed away this past year. And through that time, I, I went and did some grief counseling. And in that grief counseling, I thought, okay, I'm going to be talking about my loss. That's going to be the key thing. But the thing I learned through this counseling was what they wanted to know is what I learned as a child. How did I learn to cope as a child? Because in moments of crisis, what you learn as a child is what you turn back to. And that puts the pressure even more on the family. The family teaches those children how they're going to deal with life, how they're going to deal with crisis. And that's where it's so key that God says, all throughout your day, point them back to me. Because if, when things happen, God is always bigger and God can be trusted. So that was the key to red, the love of the family. So at this point, we have talked about uh, the truth that is found in God's word and that in which the church uh, operates and believes in and trusts in. And, and Adam talked about that. And now Shelly talked about uh, the reality that we all live in, uh, the reality that we live in in our families and in the communities. And much of that reality is brokenness. And so what does it look like if, if it's true that the family has a great impact on the on the development of a child and or student yet the church also can have an impact what does it look like if we merge those two influences together rather than in in some ways unintentionally making someone choose church or their reality and in in a lot of cases when it when someone gets put into that position they choose their reality and that's why a lot of them walk away from their faith. So, what does it look like if we as FCC Clinton, instead of making people choose church over reality, what does it look like if we help them figure out how, yes, this is your reality, 
But this is also what's still true. What does it look like if we think orange? So I want to start off by uh, explaining to you ways that FCC is currently responding in this whole orange thing. And the first point that I want to make is orange means redirecting our influence as a church by being intentional with our time and resources. So if we're going to think orange, we got to do that. And an example of this would be date night. Date night happened almost two weeks ago now. And in the planning process, I told key leaders, ministry leaders, I do not want you to spend a bunch of time in organizing the world's greatest craft that requires you to drag a bunch of stuff out of a cabinet and put it back in, and then you got to clean up while all the kids are terrorizing the room. And Or I don't want you to organize this fun game, but it requires a ton of prep. Because at the end of the day, date night was intended for people who are leading their family to spend time with a special someone and invest their time in that person. Whether that is a married couple working on their marriage or single mom or a widow, we as a church want to encourage the church to spend time with those special people. And in the meantime, if you have kids, we'll take care of them. So, date night wasn't determined whether it was successful or not by how fun of a game we had that required a ton of prep. In fact, the last prep, it we had our, our adult volunteers. They weren't stressed out. They were excited to be there. And it opened up time with three hours of time with kids where they were able to have conversations and just hang out with a kid rather than worrying about, you know, whether or not their craft is successful or not or, you know, peeling glue off of a kid or something like that or making sure kids aren't eating the glue or, I don't know, whatever the, the situation may be. Uh, another example would be the orange room, which was mentioned in the video. There is a room right outside the, the junior church room uh, by the check-in where uh, we encourage the ministry leaders to let us do the shopping and organizing and all the printing of papers that you may need for your lesson, and we will organize them in this room so that when you show up to church, you just need to get your materials and then get with your kids rather than having to do all that organizing piece. Let us take care of that so that you can just show up and, and invest in the kids that you're with. You didn't sign up to do the shopping. You signed up to work with kids in beginner church. So we want to make sure that we do that as well. And then a support system. Uh, you may notice that Shelly and I wander around the building a lot on, on a Sunday morning. It's not because we don't have anything else to do. It's because we want to make ourselves available to as many people as we can on a Sunday. That way, when things go wrong, because they will, that they know that we're there for them and that this is a team effort and that they're not in a room by themselves with a bunch of kids and nobody knows that they exist in the building. But we want to make sure that we are there for them and that they know that we're there for them and we will try to figure out how we can minister and work with kids the best way possible. Um, sometimes you may notice that I've got this black radio on. I don't wear the black radio to feel cool. 
I wear the black radio just in case if something does happen, someone downstairs while I'm in the sanctuary can call me and say, hey, we've got an issue or whatever, and um, we need your help. Each main room has another radio that they can call just in case if they need help. Just another way of building a support system for our volunteers. The second point that I want to make is Orange requires us to bridge the gap between human relationships that's created by the broken world. And this is what you'll find if all you have is red. If all you have is red, you're just going to see brokenness. But then when you combine truth that the church believes in and, and, and preaches, and you bring that and merge it with the red, one thing that you have to understand in doing that is understanding the, the family unit and how the family is made up. And Shelley already talked about how families today, they are different than the way families looked 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and so forth. And so because of that, if we're going to minister to children and students, then we need to change the way that we do ministry, the way that we think, the w- we got to change the way that we operate in order to meet the needs of the family because the family has changed. Uh, another thing that we, that we have is the parent toolbox. It's this thing right here. It's been sitting in the foyer for maybe two months now, and we put resources out for anyone that can help them with their family, maybe new ideas, different blogs that we find, um, several different resources, even children's Bibles that, you know, if you don't have a, a Bible at home, we've got Bibles available. There's little pamphlets that help explain orange philosophy and orange strategy because there's a lot there. Even after today, you're not going to fully comprehend orange. There's a lot of it that I don't understand, and I'm still trying to learn. So we've got that available to you. But you can find this in the foyer every Sunday, and we try to put new resources out there. If nothing else, you may find a blog that will encourage you on your marriage or maybe some type of family issue at home. At the end of August, early September, we did home visits. Shelly and I did home visits with incoming first grade, and Adam and I did an eighth grade transition dinner at Clinton Monocles. And the reason why we did that is because we realized that these are pinnacle moments in the development and life of a child. And we want to make sure that we are there for them. This is a tangible way of how we're trying to bridge the gap between um, our reality in the church within our broken relationships. Because we want to make sure that kids and teens understand that even though they're making transitions in life, which are scary, that the truth of God found in God's word doesn't change. And that it still applies into whatever their situation is. And helping students navigate through that and children and families navigate through that, that's what this is all about. And then lastly, uh, for the last month, there was a display on the toolbox here. And the display looked like something like this. And these are red gems. And these red gems represent the number of hours that a family is around their child and or student in one week. In this jar, these yellow gems represent the number of hours that 
the church is around that same child, and more specifically, FCC Clinton. So if a child is involved in literally every program activity that FCC offers, this is how many hours that we will have um, available to us to have an influence on them. This visual should show you that if we as a church want to make an impact on this child, we need to partner with the family. We can't put families in a position where they have to choose reality over truth. That they both can go together. And that's why we purposely have this picture of hands in a circle and it says think orange. Because thinking orange takes a team. And in order to bridge these two together, it takes a team effort. That's what that whole display was um, supposed to communicate. Hopefully you saw it. Maybe you've checked it out a little bit. But um, the last point that I want to make is that orange is meant for everyone. Uh, orange is not just someone who is, you know, a child, a teenager, or maybe in a young family, and they're between the ages of 30 and 40. Um, grandparents, as Shelley explained, play a huge role in the life of the family. And I even mentioned this past week that I would love to have a grandparent figure in every children's ministry area because there's something that a grandparent can do that nobody else can. And I don't even know what it is, but there's just something with grandparents. And so orange is meant for everyone. And one of the greatest examples is Genevieve Farnsworth, who we just celebrated at the beginning of the service. Genevieve was committed to this church, or has been and still is, for 60 years. And she was also consistent. And Genevieve wouldn't use this word only because it's new lingo around here, but Genevieve has been thinking orange for 60 years. She has made herself available to so many families in this community, and she understood the impact of consistency. She understood that children need to know who's going to be there when they show up to church. There's so many people that come and go from our lives, and if there's one place that kids can depend on, it should be the church. And Genevieve understood that. And there's something about welcoming a child and someone smiling at them and taking their hand, and even though that they're crying and kicking after mom and dad drop them off, and she just calmly holds them, and you know what? Five, ten minutes later, they're fine and they feel comfortable. Genevieve has been thinking orange for quite some time, and because of her commitment and her consistency, she has left a great legacy on this church and this community because of that. And then the second example of how orange is for everyone is just a personal example from my life by a guy, um, his name was George Brown, and I was in fifth grade out at Little Galilee. And George Brown was, from the perspective of a fifth grader, maybe 70, I, I don't know. Um, but needless to say, he was older and wiser and he took the time to sit down with me at the bell out at Little Galley and explain to me what it means to be saved and have a relationship with Jesus. And as far as a fifth grader goes, he was far removed from my reality. 
He didn't know what was going on in my fifth grade classroom. He didn't know what I'm doing on, you know, the baseball field or what have you. But George took time to just sit down with me and make himself available. And so thinking orange sometimes is just carving out time and making yourself available to a kid or a student. Not always having the answers, but making yourself available. And George was thinking orange too. When planning this Sunday, uh, the three of us were just discussing how we were going to chop up the, the message. And one of the things that we agreed on was that we need the wisdom and life experience of people who are older than us to help us do ministry here. That this orange thing, some people may be tempted to just think it's for those who are just parents right now um, or have kids or it's just for children and teenagers and I'm far removed from them. Well, George Brown was far removed from my life, but he was thinking orange. Genevieve Farnsworth, she was thinking orange too. And we need the wisdom and experience of people to help us because we don't want to rewrite what's already been in the history books. We want to figure out what things we can do now to help launch us into the future and meet the needs of families today. And so my last point is this, that we don't just want to think orange, but we want to do orange. And hopefully after me, you know, blabbing for the last several minutes, you realize that we're really trying to take steps, that this isn't just a philosophy, because it is, it is a philosophy, it's just a different way of thinking. But when you merge that with the truth that's found in God's word, it really can be powerful. And we really believe in this, and we're trying really hard to be doing orange and not just thinking it. So, so here's the why. The why is because of Jesus. I want you to pull out your family ministry card. It's in your bulletin right now. And uh, this is what it says family ministry is. It says family ministry is an effort to synchronize church leaders and parents around a master plan to build faith and character in their sons and daughters. We need more people in this world to follow Jesus. We need to train up all all of this new life that, that we had up here on stage this morning. They need to know Jesus. You've heard that phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. And, and we believe that, but more specifically, we think it takes a church. And it takes a partnership between church and family. I love what it says on here under a couple of the bullet points. No one has more potential to influence a child's relationship with God than a parent. And no one has more potential influence, more potential to influence the parent than the church. We want to be a, in a partnership. We want to help you as, as parents, as, as people that are influential in students' lives, to follow Jesus more yourself, and which in turn you can help others to follow Jesus. That's discipleship. 1 Timothy 2, 3-6 says, This is good, and it is, the ple- and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. 
this morning. We want you to, to be encouraged to follow Jesus more, but also to know that you have great potential, enormous potential to have an impact on, on the lives of, of those here in this church. Even if you don't have children directly involved in the ministry, we want you to be a part of their lives. It, this message hasn't been just an indoctrination session to, to buy into the orange philosophy. We want you to love Jesus so much that you want to share it with others. And, and, and others including people your own age, but also others including little kids. It's about Jesus this morning. He's the reason we're here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that uh, he means so much to us. We thank you for the way that he's impacted each one of our lives, but Father, also for the way that he's going to impact the lives of our children. Father, right now I ask that, uh, that you would just bless this morning. God, you would bless the lives of little kids that were on stage. Would you be with the parents as they try to guide their children in the way that they should go? And would you allow us as a church to partner with them? Father, that in the midst of this broken world, that you come in and redeem the families that are broken. That you would redeem the, the fact that, God, that we mess stuff up all the time. God, may we just worship you this morning. And thank you for your grace and for your truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing now. And all together we're going to proclaim these truths about our God as one body of believers as several different generations. In our time of desperation All we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe In this broken generation All is dark you help us see There is only one salvation. We believe. We believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit that is given us through life. We believe as he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection 
that he's coming back again Let our faith be more than anything. Sing this together. So let our faith be more than anthems. Greater than the songs we sing. In our weakness and temptations, we believe. We believe. We believe. Yeah. Okay. 